In the Passover, where the firstborns died, was it just the children that died or could have been the firstborns who were already adults, parents? All right? So the child is worried. All right? Well, what happened to the adults? What happened to the child? Is it fair? How come the adults didn't die? <laughs> the children died. All right? Okay, so what do you think? What do you think? And then parents, you better be thinking, what's the lesson? Okay, what do you think? Cornelius, Achilles, what do you think? You think the adults died as well? Not sure. So quick. Um, Gracia, what do you think, Gracia? Say again. You think the adults as well? The adults that were first born, is it? Ah, okay. Matthew, since you asked, what was your guess in the first place? Say again. Not sure. Oh, you think the adults didn't die? Only the firstborn, there were children, young, 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 young ones. Okay, so diverse answers. Last one. Enoch, what do you think? Only the children as well. Mm, okay. Well, let's see what God's word say. Okay, then we learn the lessons as well. Now, turn to Exodus Chapter 11, verse 5. Exodus 11, verse 5. All right, let's read together. And all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant, that is, behind the meal, and all the firstborn of beasts. Now, so with that, what do you think? Let's turn to Exodus chapter 12 as well, all right? Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, verse, verses 29 and 30. You read and you think carefully, all right, young ones? I will ask you again. Reading, And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne, unto the firstborn of the captive, there was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Okay, so what do you think again now? Anna, what do you think? Do you think it's just the firstborn children, um, adult, or firstborn adults? as well. Say again, every firstborn. So, adults as well. Okay, so let me take an example. Huh? Maybe I'll ask another one. Uh, let me see. Isaac. Isaac, what do you think? From these verses. So, look at the verses. The answers are there. The adults died as well. How do you come to that conclusion here? Why would that be also just adult, uh, adults as well? So, <laughs> well, that's an interesting observation because sometimes they may not have a child. <laughs> then, but every house, someone will die. 
someone will die. So definitely adults involved as well. <laughs> nice deduction work. Now, maybe I ask the adult, what do you think, Thomas? I am an adult. I don't want to die. Only the young ones. Only the young ones. Oh, you face it. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Okay, you face You try. Last one. Adults and children. So you disagree with Uncle Thomas. Right? You don't want to die alone. <laughs> okay, is it the firstborn? Now, when we combine these verses, um, we extrapolate at best we know, all right, um, from what God um, reveals. Now, first and foremost, you notice that firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon the throne. Now, what does it tell you? Firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon the throne. And then in um, Exodus chapter 12 also, in verse 11, uh, chapter 11 and verse 12, also firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne. So what does that tell you about firstborns? All right, so firstborns are tip for the pharaohs. The firstborns are typically the one that sit on the throne. All right, so they kind of like successor. So from that we know that firstborns sit on the throne. Now let me ask you. Then with that, you think more carefully again. Maybe I ask the older ones now. All right, Vichen. Um, Adults as well. Okay, but then how do you account? Because if firstborns are typically the one that become Pharaoh, correct? You think again, you know? You're in consulting, you better be clear. Okay, you, 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 you're digressing from Pharaoh. Well, I think some dying to answer. Yes, Michelle, dying to answer, please. <laughs> oh, no, okay, then we move on. <laughs> I don't want confusion, I want answers. Maybe your confusion leads you to the answer. Quickly, quickly. Children only. Then how do you account? Because, uh, why children only? Because Pharaoh was there, right? Pharaoh didn't die, right? So your confusion is quite a good confusion. Now, God says, the, well, from typical reading, and typically what you understand also from historical data, the firstborn, is usually, the firstborn usually becomes Pharaoh, okay? Now, the fact that the firstborn usually becomes Pharaoh, so Pharaoh himself must have been a firstborn, correct? You don't get it, <laughs> yeah. Firstborn means Pharaoh himself would have been a firstborn. Now, but Pharaoh didn't die, right? Only Pharaoh's son died, Correct? So, from there, we would guess that the firstborn refers to, in that family, not the, if the father happens to be the firstborn, it's not the father, but the firstborn of the father in that home, all right, from, from the deduction. So, it would means that it will be the children, it will be the children. But then the question is, is this very young children? All right, maybe I'll ask Julius. Julius, do you think it's only very young children or those older Older, older children. Very young children, you sacrifice yourself. Only very young children. Very young, how young? How young, Julius? Toddler? Pre-primary? Which group in Sunday school? Your class? Or older, older than your class? 
younger than your class. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now, now here, because of chapter 12, now I say the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne. That sat on his throne. Now it gives us another clue that the question is, well, we know that the firstborn who is Pharaoh didn't die, but his son who is firstborn died. But how old? Is it toddler? Is it, because you ask, um, Matthew asked, is it adult, right? So maybe Matthew is thinking, maybe like my sister's age, but not my age, right? What about adults? Um, but because he says, um, firstborn of Pharaoh, dad sat on his throne. So it appears that this firstborn son of Pharaoh was already co-ruling with him. Dad sat on his throne. So most likely, he won't be a toddler, at least, right? Maybe there are cases where toddlers also became co-regent, um, but by and large, they will be at an age probably that he wants to already begin to train him, old enough to be trained, to one day be Pharaoh, right? So by that, it may not necessarily mean just the toddlers and the very young ones. So is it just adults? Well, because Matthew's question is very specific. Those are already adults, for example, parents. We know parents didn't die. Pharaoh's case. Is it adults? Well, this Pharaoh's son, he's probably maybe a young adult. All right? Okay, so get it? All right. But now, fathers, now you're trembling. Fathers, what's the spiritual lesson? <laughs> because your children always ask you at family worship, right? These kind of things. You can't answer, so you pass it to me. Right? Now you know the answer. What are the spiritual lessons? Because your child asks you at family worship, then after explaining, we always say don't just explain facts and story. Explain the spiritual lesson that they may grow spiritually. Howard? How? What's your word, Howard? Spiritual lesson. Don't have children. <laughs> Sin of father pass on to the children. If not corrected, they will sin worse. Maybe some truth to that. Well, the fact that the father would not come to God as saviour, then, well, maybe, yeah, then as a child, they say, oh, I don't want to believe in God also. So, as, as, so because of that, they will not pass over. In a sense, maybe um, election is of the Lord. What else? Uh, John, Si Hongbing. Succession of family, sins cannot continue. Well, we know Pharaoh wanted to kill all the firstborn of the Hebrew people. Okay, last one, Alex. If you're firstborn, you better be careful. Yeah, firstborn and then? Consecrate your life? Oh, you come from nowhere. What about consecrate your life? Say more. All right, very good. Right? I try to frighten you and say you're coming from nowhere. All right, good. Once you're clear about scriptures, you stick to it. 
Well, remember, this is about the Passover, correct? The Passover. What is the Passover about? Is that God will pass over, His judgment will pass over those that have the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost, meaning to say they are in Christ, they believe in God, then God will pass over this family in their judgment, their firstborn will not die, correct? Then those who did not want um, that in their life, then they did not pass over. So like Alex rightly pointed out, well, God has spared you. God has spared you. Then we must remember, well, we also partake of the New Testament Passover, correct? Not in the sense of the Roman Catholics that we learn. The, new, the Holy Communion replaces the Passover. And what is the reminder every time there? That Christ died for us, right? That we are saved through his blood. And therefore, we must, we must not love sin. We must consecrate our lives. That's why, you know, um, Alex rightly pointed out, the reminder whenever you read about this situation is not who died, who didn't die. I don't want to die. Right? Is I was spared. And therefore, I must consecrate my life to God. My life belongs to God. But you mentioned firstborn, right? Firstborn. What about firstborn? Now, remember there's always this representative principle in the Bible, all right? Adam, the first Adam, Christ, the second Adam, also our representative. So the firstborn, um, it doesn't mean the firstborn spared. And then the rest, well, anyway, I was not supposed to die, then I, I live as I wish, I wish. But they know they understood, the Jews understood this firstborn principle, the representative principle, right? That the house is spared, and then therefore they are spared, right? Because, so that when they think the firstborn is spared, they realize, you know, we are spared because of the representative principle. So it doesn't mean the rest, then they live as they wish. So, well, whenever you read about all these things that happen, then you think, well, my Holy Communion reminds me the Passover, that Lord passed his judgment, passed over me. I must love him. All right, so young ones, when you go to school, when you think of, well, this question, they think, God spared me. I'm his child. I must love him. I must live for him. I must obey him. Right? My life is his. I don't care what my friends say. I don't care about when they mock me, when they keep me out of their friendship because, because I'm a Christian, but I will still obey God. I will love him because, you know, God, God's judgment passed over me and Jesus died so that I have this salvation, right? Okay, so Matthew, that is the important spiritual lesson that you must learn, not just who died, who didn't die. Okay? And the rest as well. Yes, question, follow-up question. Firstborn refer to s male or, or any firstborn. Well, it'd be male. In the Old Testament, it's typically the male, right? Okay, now that's why it you talk about the son of, if you were, the male. God goes. Now, next one. Um, okay, so this is. Now, in the King James Bible, uh, John 3.16 in the KJV and NIV have a difference between how they refer to the relationship between God and Christ. All right, KJV is his only begotten son. We all know that. Right? We don't have to turn there. But in um, NIV, it is his one and only son. So this person asks, I'm wondering if you may clarify about the significance of the only begotten sonship of Christ and how this difference in translation would have undermined this. Also, what are some other lessons 
we should learn and apply from, from this. So the other lessons we should learn and apply from this are for you all, right? So, now, the theological question. Yes, it is true that NIV um, changes, uh, interprets his one and only son, KJV, only begotten son. Now, what is the Greek word? Both Greek word is monogenes. Those of you take FABC course is not uncommon to you. Mono, right? Monogenes, right? Like mono or stereo, right? Mono, one, genes. Genes has to do with um, generation, right? Generation. Now, does it affect, does it have any significance, one and only? Now, I want you to think about this first and foremost. All right, first and foremost, is it accurate to say Christ is God's one and only son? Uh, uh, Phoebe, is it accurate to say Jesus Christ is God's one and only son? Because the word is monogenes, both monogenes, but they translate one and only son. Is it correct, theologically? Correct. Okay, maybe I ask your sister, Elisha. Is it correct to translate, is Jesus Christ God's one and only son? Don't answer. Don't get trouble with sister, okay? Um, Ife, what do you think? Is it correct Jesus is God's one and only son? Okay, you're not ask. Ask. Okay, now let me ask boys. 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 Matthew, last one, quickly. Is it correct to say Jesus Christ is God's one and only son? No. Why? You mean you are also God's son? Because Jesus Christ is what? It's because it's part of a trinity. Mm. All right, let's turn to First John three two. First John three two. Where are all the other children? Nathan. Nathan. Nathan is Jesus Christ God's one and only Son. Nathan. Yes. Oh, Jonathan. Welcome back. What do you think? Mommy, what's it? Yes, also. All right, let's turn to First John 3, 2. I'm sorry, I haven't turned there. Can you read First John 3, 2 aloud quickly? 1, 2, reading. All right, so this is just one of the few verses in the Bible that tells us that we are God's sons as well, right? So, is Jesus Christ, is it accurate to translate monogenes as Jesus is God's one and only son? It is not true. We are also sons of the living God. So, it is not an accurate translation, confuses, and theologically not sound. So, there is one problem. Now, but... So this person asks, now wondering, but what is the significance? Does it affect the begotten sonship? Now, how does it undermine the begotten sonship? 
Now, I want you to also turn to Luke chapter 7. Now, I just read to you, all right? We don't have enough time. I just read to you. Luke 7 to 12. You can just copy it. Now, when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. Now, this word, the only son of his mother, is monogenes. Then in Luke 8, 42, for he had, on, he had one only daughter, also mon monogenes, all right? Only one only daughter. Luke 9, 38. Then he said, I beseech you, look upon my son, for he is my only child, also monogenes. Now, why is it that now monogenes, all these are monogenes, but it's translated as simply only, which is correct, huh? only, only. It, can, it means well, one, one, one son. Um, my only child. Now, it's correct for them to translate as only because it's this really the only child. Huh? It's not like sons of God. We are all sons of God. Now, but can you, is it correct to say that the only time only begotten son, all right? Only begotten son refers to only Jesus Christ. Means the term only begotten son because only son refers to only son, right? The, the term only begotten son refers only to Jesus Christ. Wow. Um, Eugene? Um, no, what I mean is, in the whole Bible, the only begotten son, that translation, because monogenes can be translated as only, that's all, and in Jesus Christ's case, Translators translate as only begotten son. Is, is it that this English was the only begotten son only applies to Jesus Christ in the Bible? Only. Okay. Jason? Say again? Yeah, it talks about the nature of Christ, but my question is not that. Okay, last one. Han, is it only applied in translation to Jesus Christ, only begotten Son. Only. Okay, let's turn to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. Hebrews 11, 17. Hebrews 11, 17. Hebrews 11, 17. Okay, let's read together one, two reading. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. <laughs> so in Isaac's case, the translators did translate only begotten son. In all the cases of Luke, in the places in Luke where it was only son, they translate as only son or only daughter. Now let me ask you, is Isaac really Abraham's only son? Ah, pay. Since your son is Isaac. Is Isaac Abraham's, not your Isaac, huh, obviously. Is, is Isaac Abraham's only son? No, right? No, he had a son by another wife. So what is it about? Now, you see, the word is simply monogenes. Um, and in translation, you have to go back in history where there, is, there was this great fight all right, over the deity of Christ. Is Jesus created being or is Jesus an eternal 
being means he is God. All right, either eternal God or a created being. That was a huge fight. Um, and of course, um, the church came out, um, a lot of debates, and they came to a very clear conclusion from theology across the Bible. Jesus Christ is God. Right? Is God. So, now, but John 3.16, God gave his, in Greek, his monogenes son. God gave his only son. Now, why did they choose to translate monogenes as only begotten? Because of the conflict then, right? So, over time, the very clear terms used for Christ's sonship, because the church came up with statements, all right? The various council came up with very clear statements. They would use only begotten to refer to Christ. So, naturally, um, from what we understand, at translation, people would, when they reach Christ, they will put only begotten, especially in this verse. Okay, so, so that is what, how it came about from what we can trace. But the question still remains, what is the meaning of only begotten? Now, why Christ only begotten? Isaac also only begotten, and some more, Isaac was not the only, right? So, now, the word monogenes, now, there are some Greek words that are, that are very difficult to to say this is the only meaning. It has a wide range of, of meaning and nuance and all that. All right? There are some words that I remember when I was a student, some Greek words or some Hebrew words that whenever I see, I really tremble because it can mean so many things. You really have to use theology, context and everything to translate it into the right word. Right? Now, so monogenes can be only, but mono means, means, means one. Mono itself, right? Not stereo. Genes is generation. Now, how do you now in, have a translation into English with the theology intact? Now, that is a challenge. Now, when we begin to study this word, mono, genes, and you see that it, when it's applied to Isaac, I'm talking about English, but only begotten, when applied to Isaac, the emphasis is not about being only. Because in Isaac's case, it's clear. So the KJV translators, they are very precise and very intelligent. All right? They know it, this monogenes does not refer to only child because Isaac was not the only child, but that they use monogenes. They use uh, only begotten. So number one, it's not about only. That is why the, the translators that say one and only is incorrect. Straight away, it's incorrect because other parts of scriptures already say we are sons. So they are very precise. They won't want to say one and only because that is not what the nuance means. Or rather, the emphasis means not about single one only. All right? Now, but it is referring to a singled out one. So it is not just any son, but it's a particular singled out son, which is the son of God. So that is the first emphasis. So is now the second thing about Genes is this. The emphasis is about um, not about generation, means being produced, being created. Because once it is about that, then it is about um, Christ at a beginning, in that sense. So this Greek word, the genes, the real emphasis is on the substance. The substance, alright? So when, why would they, would they apply a monogenes? Why would they say only begotten to Isaac as well as to Christ? The emphasis is substance. In Isaac's case, Isaac is from human. Isaac is human, right? 
Isaac is not the only, but he is a particular one. Mono, a particular one. A particular one of a certain essence. So Isaac is particularly one that God intended to be part of the line. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It's a particular one. And Isaac is out of the essence. He came out of Abraham. All right? Not, not, um, not um, Sarah had uh, another child with another man or, or what. But a very particular one and it's from Isaac. It is from, Isaac, uh, from Abraham. All right? It emphasizes that. So when the Lord Jesus Christ it accurately translates only begotten, the nuance and usage of the word. Are you falling still? Okay. It is not that Jesus is the only one because we know it is not. So they are correct. It is not that, and, and the emphasis is, it's not about Jesus is being created. Jesus was created. Emphasis is he, has this, he is of the same essence as God the Father. That is what it means. All right? So only begotten, um, they well use it to try and help us understand. It's not just about the only, it's not just about um, uh, came out of, but the real emphasis of only begotten usage is particular one that is of the same essence. Of the same essence, all right? So is there, so now this question, anyone don't understand? No. Maybe it's so bad until you don't even know what to ask, is it? Right, so I just hope you understand. That is why they translate it that way, although it's the same word. Now, so now this person says, I'm wondering if the difference in translation will undermine this also. Yes, yes, yes. So, it is a good translation to use only begotten to differentiate and make clear when God says that what God is trying to emphasize to us. When God is not talking about, well, a particular, just one child, Right? They know, and they translate only daughter, only son. Isaac's case, they know it's a certain particular emphasis. They use only begotten. Christ, particular emphasis, they use only begotten. Right? So, um, will we lose some? Yes, and I think this is where some of the cults take advantage of these um, not-so-good translations to say, well, all are only son. And very lightly said, created, came, came from the Father. So they don't understand all these um, difficulties in translating from a language to another language. Okay? So, yes, many of these got lost. Um, so maybe I summarize. In the Nicene Creed, in the Nicene Creed, there are three elements of this eternal generation of the Son. So notice, it's gene, so it's generation, but it's about eternal generations. I mean, coexisting always from eternity to eternity, and they emphasize three things. Now it says, number one, is eternal. It's eternal. That is why this monogenes is not simply about at some point of time it got generated. At some point of time it got created. So monogenes is not just that. Right, for human being, yes, it's that. So the usage of the word is 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 about um, in existence. Number two, distinct from creating, distinct from creation. So it's not give birth to. It's not talking about God the Father gave birth to. Right? But it's, it's not about talking about creation, creation, creation. Then the third one, the emphasis is 
It puts the Son in possession of the full divine nature. I mentioned the essence. Okay, so I hope I understand, I've answered this question. Now, with this, you'll find that um, in the KJV, um, in various places, in the um, John, in First John, um, you will see that the Bible uses only begotten, but in NIV, for example, um, you would not find that, and you will find one and only, which is not accurate. Okay, not accurate. If a theological problem comes up, then only begotten will defend it very well, but only one and only will fail. Okay, so it's a good translation. So lastly, it is, it is a crucial Christian doctrine, right? The only begottenness of Son of Christ is a crucial um, Christian doctrine, which in translation, I think is good that they make it um, known well. Okay? Now, um, okay, that's all. Is there such a thing as parallel universe? Okay, so is there such a thing as parallel universe? Does the Bible say that? Uh, does, has Pastor mentioned it before? So someone has submitted it to... to I, wa I was wondering if anyone have asked, have asked Pastor before. A question about parallel universe. Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, the beginning, then only one single universe world or parallel, there are parallel universe as well. Okay, are there any parts of scriptures which explain this? Now, this whole concept of parallel universe, um, one of the reasons why people think about parallel universe is because of the Big Bang Theory. Okay, now I'm not saying this is the only reason, but because of the Big Bang Theory, they come up with this idea that when this Big Bang happened, uh, things began to expand, 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 and it is possible that um, different universes, universe, different universes began to form, and then there are other universes that are happening in parallel with ours because this expansion is so great and happened for billions of years. Okay, so they say, well, maybe then slowly as this, this dust settle um, and all that, then slowly parallel universes occur. Okay, now depends what you mean by parallel universe. So they say, and they, and they claim this. For example, I try to look at what they say. They say, but in every instant, we get farther and farther away. So because all this is expanding out, so even if there's parallel universe, we are getting more and more separated. And they say that we get and we will never intersect. <laughs> so too bad, you will never meet um, your equivalent at all. We never intersect. So that is the Big Bang Theory and some of, it, some of this point of the parallel universe. Well, for the Christian, we must reject this because, number one, it, the whole concept of parallel universe and how it costs is out of Big Bang. In scriptures, it is creation. So this whole concept stems from um, rejection of intelligent design. All right? So that's number one. Now, number two, God simply says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. All right? Now, we know the Bible talks about um, heavens, all right? three heavens. One is the, where God dwells, the third heaven. Second heaven, the universe or the, the outer space. Then the first heaven, our atmosphere. Right? But when it comes to earth, where humans reside and by the meaning of universe, I presume that you're thinking about their equivalent living civilizations. Um, God simply says the earth, singular. All right? So by that, God simply says the only universe where I... I have these people living and, 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 and uh, 
um, uh, me ruling them as living beings is earth. Okay, so I would say that. Now, lastly is Genesis 1.28. God says, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. God did not say the universe. The earth, and subdue it. Replenish the earth. All right, so this whole concept of even wanting to live in outer space, living in, now it's inhabit Mars, is it? This big whole thing that a lot of people spend a lot of money, rich billionaires. People are thinking of how to live on another planet. Now, this is not God's plan for men, right? So, God says, inhabit the earth, replenish the earth, not go and start building colonies on another planet. That is not God's plan. So, this whole space travel to begin to build uh, uh, people on another country, another planet and all that, it's man's solution to find hope. They know this world is in mess. They know this world, they get a feeling this world is going to crumble. All right? What's the solution? No, turn to God. No, we find our inhabitation on another planet. All right? The whole subconsciousness idea of escaping God's judgment. Okay, so that's all I can say about this. So, well, the next time you come back, well, please keep submitting questions. All right? Keep submitting questions so that you learn. Let's pray.